We're in the middle of a series of thought. I feel quite, I feel like I'm in a fun mood. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know what? I, 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 when I read the Bible and I look at the way Jesus taught people and, and taught the crowds and taught, I'm sure he had so much fun. You know, there's one moment he's, he's teaching and preaching and, and he's, there are so many people that come out to listen to him and, and they're on the seashore, they're on the Lake Galilee and they're backing him in and there's nowhere to go. He's right back on the water. And he says, hey, Peter, look, you know, I know you're mending your nets, but can I just borrow your boat for a minute? Because I'm going to be in the drink in a minute. I know he didn't use those words, but yeah, let's, let's bring it into modern day um, wordings. I'm going to be in the drink. Can I borrow your boat? Borrows his boat. He preaches. The people are blessed. And then he says, Peter, let's just go out into the deep and catch some fish. Peter's saying, I've been there all night. I've done this all night. This is my job. Don't tell me what to do. He said, go out into the deep and you'll catch a huge amount of fish. Do you know what? Obedience is so important in our Christianity. You know, we think we know better sometimes, but we don't know better than God, do we? Anyway, that's just free for anybody that wants to hear it. Um, We're looking at the, the subject of prayer. And, you know, some people are, are, are spiritually prayers. Others are perhaps more word people. Oh, give me the word, and I, I, I can spend hours in the word. But, you know, I, I like to pray, but I'm not someone who can spend hours praying. You know, when, when we say we're going to do half a night of prayer, you think, oh, boy, my five minutes will be, will be over really quickly. That's all I normally pray for. Five minutes, I'm off, and I'm doing the next thing. How can I survive four hours? Other people are worshipers. Oh, if, if we could do a bit of worship that night, I could enjoy the worship, pray my five minutes over and over again, and, and, and perhaps find something in the Word that I can share. We're all made differently, and we have leanings in different ways, but... The whole purpose of talking on prayer right now is to cause prayer to come alive in you. Remember, it's one of the big four, uh, the four pillars of the church, New Testament church. There's the apostles' doctrine, there's fellowship, there's breaking the bread, and then there's prayer. And they are the four pillars that I would call the four pillars of the New Testament church that Jesus established. And those four things should be a part of our everyday life, a part of our, our... Christian journey. And these things are so, so important. And, and we're looking at the whole subject of prayer. And today, as I share, I pray that my prayer this week has been, Lord, may we all get a revelation. A revelation of the truth I'm about to share, I believe, will not only change the way you pray, but it has the ability to change your, your Christian walk, your believing walk with him. And we're looking at the subject of... Is it up there? Not yet. Praying with faith. Now, if, you, if anyone who has known me for any length of time, you will know that I love the subject of faith. Um, but to connect that with prayer, praying with faith, um, is so vital in our journey. Because, you know, the, if you like, even those who are outside of the church, those who haven't got a relationship with God, many of them do pray. They pray for loved ones. They pray for their children who, who are struggling for whatever reason. They, they, the ungodly pray. But they don't pray with faith. They pray, pray wishing and hoping. It's almost like a lottery that, well, if there is a God, if there is a God, he, he may hear me and answer my prayer. It's sort of like a lottery with them. But for us, there's a certainty. 
If you don't feel that there's a certainty, then this morning we'll help you in that journey. All right? Because when you pray, there is a certainty. There is an absolute. And I want to help you get to that place that when you pray, you have absolute confidence that what you pray, he hears. What he hears, he answers. Amen? Who wants to have prayer life like that? Yeah. We would change this town. We would change our families. So the number one thing, or number one ingredient to our prayer life really is a faith. Having faith in God is absolute. And then absolutely understanding really what faith, how to live by faith, how to release faith in our life, how to operate a faith-filled life. What, what, what is faith? You know, I, I guess that's a good question. I'm going to answer that in a few minutes. But as you read through the Bible, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus often would say to his disciples, he would say, come on, guys, where is your faith? That's a great question. If Jesus could ask his disciples that, I want to ask you that same question. Where is your faith? Or where is your faith level? What is going on in the area? See, how do we grow faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you want faith to grow, the word of God has got to be going into your heart because faith won't grow any other way than through the word. The word of God is a Faith, the Bible is a faith book. It's supernatural. Um, it's the words of Jesus. It's the words that God inspired man to write. It is so important. How, how do you want, if you, if you want your muscles to grow, I should have gone and found, where, where's, um, where's um, Eddie um, or, 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 or um, uh, Ken? Uh, if you want your muscles to, uh, um, I could go around the room with a few others. Just in case you're thinking, I need to work out more so I can, I can be like these guys. If you want your muscles to grow, you've got to exercise it, yes? You've got to be working out in the gym. You've got to be putting some, some, some protein in your body to be able to bulk out, look good, and, and all the rest of it. I, I, I came to a... I'm digressing now. Here we go. I came to a point a few months, weeks ago, that I thought, goodness me... If you don't use it, you'll lose it. I used to have biceps, and then they just sort of like flopseps. <laughs> what has happened to me over the years? I thought, this is ridiculous. Jane would come up to me, and she'd stroke my arm, and I'd think, oh, I'm going to tense that up. So I'm, I'm thinking, let go. Let go. And I realized that I'd lost what I once had because I'm not exercising and using it. You don't get a lot of exercise when you're moving a mouse and you're preparing a message or sipping tea with people. It, 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 you know, my, right, my right arm, you know, sipping tea and coffee. But without exercising, the muscle isn't going to work. So I'm, I'm back in my office gym and every time I stand up, I do a rep. So if, if Jane says, come and get your drink, it means I've got to go back in the office and go, <laughs> my children come in the office and they go, come on, granddad, what? Oh, come on, dad, what's up with you? But, you know, it's just, but the same is true, sorry, they'll go back to the word. <laughs> the same is true with the Bible. If you want faith, and faith comes by the word, you can't say, oh, I'm going to be a man of faith or a woman of faith, but not put the word in your heart. 
Because it only comes through the word. Faith will only come through the word. And building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Your most holy faith is built by praying in tongues. If you're a tongue talker, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, don't neglect the speaking of tongues in your life because you build up your most holy faith. According to Jude, verse 20, you build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit. So two ways that faith comes. First, you've got to have the word in your heart and then praying in the Holy Spirit. Do you you know what? Why faith is so important? Hebrews, let's go to the scripture. Hebrews 11. Verse 6, many of you will know it immediately. Others of you who need to exercise that muscle a bit more may think, oh, I know it's there somewhere. It says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you're not exercising faith by putting the word in your heart and you're not speaking in tongues on a regular basis, building yourself up, and we're just existing in our Christianity, it doesn't really please him. That's why when the disciples you know, were worried about being in the boat when Jesus was asleep and he turns around and says, come on, you rebuke the storm. Oh, no, no, Jesus, we're going to perish. And you rebuke their lack of faith. Do you know what? They weren't hearing the words that Jesus had spoke to them. The works that I do, the work you should do also. Back here. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Oh, I give loads of money to the church. Surely that pleases no. I, I talk to, I'm evangelist. I talk to lots of people. Um, uh, no, it's faith that pleases God. He who comes to God must believe that he is. So we must believe that God, God is God. God is who he says he is. He is supreme. He is master of the universe. He is El Shaddai. He is Yahweh. He is all those things. We must believe that he is. But secondly, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is, you know, uh, oh no, I don't need a reward from the Lord. No, I'll have yours. Don't be so humble that you're too proud to believe what the word says. Uh, the word of God says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Maybe you're not being diligent in seeking him, therefore you're not getting your reward. I don't know, you, you, you just have to answer that for yourselves. But the truth is, this scripture says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to diligently seek him, not to get the reward, that's the bonus. That's the cherry on the cake. That's, uh, that's on, 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 what's it called? Um, uh, what's his name? Um, cherry on the cake. Cross on, not Cross on Blackwell. What was it? Uh, Bakewell Tart. Mr. Kipling. That's who he is. <laughs> Mr. Kipling's Bakewell Tart. They are the best. And the cherry on the top. If you don't like cherries, tough. <laughs> the cherry on the top with a Bakewell icing. Ah. Anyway, I won't go there too long, or else I'm going to get hungry again. I had to have a, I had to have a chocolate before I came and preached. <laughs> He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, what is faith? Faith is the substance, or it is the assurance of things we hope for, but have not yet received. Or, faith is taking God at his word. Faith is the substance Hebrews 11:1 1. faith is the substance of things hoped for the word hope there is 
if, if you look at it in a building term, it is, uh, it is the blueprint. The blueprint gives you the design, and the builder, which is faith, comes in and builds what, what it is that you're believing for. So hope gives you the picture. Faith builds upon that picture. So faith is taking God, God his word. See, God is never going to let his word fall. He's never going to let. He, 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 his word is his bond. His word is his last will and testament. His word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. This is his last word to every one of us. When we get to know the author of this book, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, God Almighty, when we get to know Father through his word, when we get to know the author, I don't know if I shared this in church or not, but there was a guy and a woman, they, they began dating. Anyone know the story? That's a bit early, I guess. Okay, they were dating each other. And, and this guy really liked the lady, and, 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 and they went back to her apartment, and as he was walking around the apartment, you know, he, he, he was just looking on the bookshelf, and... Um, he happened to notice a particular book. And then they, they just had another couple of dates. And um, he just started to talk about you know, the, her line of work and, and what she did as a living. And, and um, she, she started to talk about some of the things that she, she was involved in. They got to know each other quite well. And in the process of this journey, he, he happened to mention about a particular book. And she said, oh, that, that book, I started to read it. It's so boring. It's so dry. It's, it just, there was no inspiration. There was nothing that gripped me by the book. And he said, oh, that's interesting. That's okay. And he just left it for a while. They went on another date. And during that date, he revealed that he was the one who wrote the book. But because she loved him, she went back to the book. And fell in love with the book that he had written. See, it's not until we know the author that the book makes sense. And it becomes so real in our journey. Otherwise, it's just words on paper. It's a good storyline. There are people who have read it back to front, front to back, and inside out. And it has not changed their life one bit. There's others that can read one verse. It comes alive and it transforms their life. Why? Because they got to know him, not just a book. Faith needs to be present before prayer is answered. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's the one who answers prayer. Faith needs to be present. When we pray, we can't just... A double-minded man is... So let, not, let that... Let not that man expect to receive anything. So we can't be double-minded. We can't be... The word double-minded is two-souled. As in, I believe, I believe, I believe. I doubt it ever happen. That's what a double-minded man is. I believe, I believe, I believe. Oh, it never happens for me. We've got we to be full of faith. When we come to God, not just, not just a faith, but a living faith, something that is alive in our heart. You know, I, I, I remember when I, was, when I was called to the ministry and, and the journey of my life and, and that there was a transition in, in the church that we were in. 
And, and the, a man of God, a prophet, a, a, probably the only prophet, real prophet I've ever met in my life, who knew nothing about the circumstances of the church at that time, Roger Till. And he came into the meeting, never knowing the people in the, in the church. And he came up to three people and he spoke a word over their life. The word that he spoke over my life, because it was, it was a, a two-headed race between me and Alan, who was going to be the pastor of the church about 30-odd years ago. And Roger Till, he came up the steps of, the, of a tiered seating and he looked at me. I wasn't—I was on fire for God, but I wasn't long saved. <laughs> he looked at me. And he said, "Son, what is faith?" I didn't know what to say. I had no answer. Actually, what I wanted to do was hit him, and then run, or run and hit him. I didn't know what to do. I had no answers for the man. And he said, "Son, you've come before your time." And for 11 years, Alan pastored the church, and then my time came, 11 years later. But I grew in faith. I grew in the knowledge. I, uh, if someone says, what is faith now? I, I, just give me time, and I'll tell you everything I know about faith. But at that moment, I didn't have an answer. If someone came to you and said, what is faith? What, what would you say? How would you answer them? How would you communicate to them? And I believe it's so, so important because faith is the foundation upon which everything is built. And the bottom ingredient of faith being the foundation is the covenant of Jesus Christ in our life. If we don't have a confidence in the covenant-keeping God, our faith is futile. But when we put faith in connection with the covenant-keeping God who keeps covenant for a thousand generations, who keeps covenant for eternity for us of who are believers, when we know what he did at the cross on our behalf, then when we put faith in that covenant promise, nothing will shake us in the journey of our life. Nothing. That's why John wrote these words. And, and these, are, these are probably some of my favorite prayer verses. John wrote these incredible words, and I believe they're not only powerful words, they are a privilege for you and I to be able to look at, believe, and then put into our life in action. It says this in 1 John 5, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him. Doesn't that just... Doesn't that just in engross you immediately. I'm going to read it again because I thought, I, I love this. When I, when I read it and read it and read it, it just brought such excitement. This is the remarkable degree of confidence. Who wants remarkable degrees of confidence? I'm going to stay here and wait until I see. You may not. You may not want a remarkable degree of confidence. I'm going to give it another go. Who wants a remarkable degree of confidence? Because that's a faith response. You, you, some of you may be saying, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> no, come on. God expects a faith response. What's in your hand? He said to, he said to Moses, when they were about to cross the river, uh, the, 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 the sea that was in front of him, he said, what have you got in your hand? He said, a rod. He could, he, he could have said, well, oh, it's a rod. It's a rod. The rod of God did miracles upon the face of the earth. Do you know what? When you had the word of God... As the rod of God in your life, it creates miracles that God can do. That's the confidence. I want everyone in this room to walk with that kind of confidence. 
This is the confidence. This is the remarkable degree of confidence that we as believers are entitled. <laughs> You're entitled. You, you, you know, if, if I was part of the royal family, I would be entitled to do what I please, almost. <laughs> you know, Harry had a few issues, but there we go. Let's keep out of politics, royal family, and all the rest of it. I'm in, but I, I'm, a, I'm part of a royal priesthood. How about you? So there is an entitlement in your life. You are entitled to the privileges that are revealed in God's word. I, 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 could, I could have actually just preached through this word, uh, this, this passage, uh, which we as believers are entitled to have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that is, consistent with his plan and purposes, he hears us. There is a condition here. Oh, Lord, you know that, that watch I saw on my mate's arm at work? Oh, wouldn't I? I'd look so good with a watch like that. No, that's called covetousness. <laughs> Get over it. Deal with that. That's a heart issue. But when you say, I'm believing for a miracle to take place in my physical body, is it your will? Well, what did Jesus do at the cross? What does Isaiah 53 say? What does Psalm 103 say? What does 1 John 3 verse 2 say? I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health. You be it. It's your right. It's your entitlement. There are things that we are entitled to. You know, do you know what? I, I, I'll use my mum again. My, my dad was unemployed um, back, in the, back in when he was about 40 odd years old. He was, uh, he was unemployed for, for, for years. Well, he never went back to work, actually, at 42. Yeah, he had a, de a debilitating back issue, and he never went back to work. And then years, 20-odd years later, mum found out, mum and dad found out that they were entitled to, to NHS, uh, not NHS um, sick pay from government, whatever it was, but they would never pay it back. Do you know what? There are, there are things that we're entitled to. There are things that perhaps we, we don't know what we're entitled to. We just go through life thinking, oh, uh, in regret, I wish I'd known that back then. We wouldn't have struggled financially. We wouldn't have struggled to get presents at Christmas. Whatever it would have been, we wouldn't have struggled had we had known what we were entitled to. You know, just look in the Word and you'll see what you're entitled to. Turn to 100 and, Psalm 103. You will see what you're entitled to. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. There's a few things that you're entitled to. That pretty much covers life, doesn't it? That's your entitlement. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I know, their benefits. You know, today's society, the benefits is handouts in, in situations that we, we find ourselves struggling financially and all the rest of it. The Bible's got benefits that you are entitled to. You're entitled to withdraw from that Jesus has already paid for for you. Anyway, it, it still does get even more exciting than that. So uh, let me go back. That if we ask anything, say anything. Anything, anything, anything. Okay, that's my knee. That's a anything that I'm struggling with that he said, if I ask anything. What is it God's will to heal? 
There could be a few question marks in the room. Jesus encountered a guy. He said, if you will, you can heal me. Jesus said, I will. If he did it for one, he can do it for all. If he did it for one and he doesn't do it for us, then he has shown favoritism to someone. And the Bible says he has no favorites. So therefore, if he did it for one, he can do it for all. And that includes me and you. Anything. Anything. Um, anyway, word by word study now. Um, that if we ask anything according to his will, there's the key. It's got to be according to his will. That is consistent with his plan and purposes. He hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears us and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests that we have asked of him. I love that passage of scripture. I use it so much when praying with people because it reminds me, I have confidence in him. I know he hears me. When someone is dying and they ask you to pray, you don't have self-confidence because I know I can't heal anyone. In fact, I can't heal me, but I know the one who can. And my confidence is in him, not in me. When the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick, you will anoint them with oil, you will pray the prayer of faith. It is the Lord who raises them up. That ain't nothing to do with me. Oh yeah, I've got to lay hands on them. I've got to anoint them with oil. I've got to pray my best prayer of faith. But it's the Lord. And everyone's got to remember that when you come forward for a, for a prayer line or you come forward for, the, for a ministry of the Holy Spirit, don't come, don't come, oh, I don't want to join that queue because that's not the pastor praying. Let me join the one over here. I've been there. I've done that. I know what that feels like. I don't want that person to pray for me. Let me join the queue where I'm going to get the right person, the only person. The pastor's not the only person. That's why he said, you will lay hands on the sick. You will anoint with oil. That's all our job. If you believe in him, that's your job as well. Anyway, this is an incredible passage of scripture. So the key for our prayers being answered is praying in harmony with his will. How will you know what his will is? His word. How do you get faith to build? Through his word. How do you release the prayer of faith? Through his word. So the word of God is so important to the journey of our life. Question for you. How much time do we give to the word? Let's move on straight away, because it's important. God is fully capable of doing what man regards as impossible. That's a great statement, but it's a spiritual truth. I read this quote in the week. This, then, is the prayer of faith. To ask God to accomplish what he has promised in his word. That promise is the only ground for our confidence in asking. Such confidence is not worked up from within our emotional life, but rather it is given and supported by what God has said in Scripture. It all comes back to Him. We're a vessel. We, we may be a vessel for praying for someone. We may be a vessel of, of believing God for a miracle in prayer. But it all comes back to Him. His word, he gives us the faith to believe through his word. 
It, everything comes back to God. But let's stir up our heart to pray. Why? Because we can have confidence. An entitlement. Come on, walk in your entitlement. Walk in it. And pray for others. Pray for things. Be diligent. Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we're faced with impossible, unthinkable, or unattainable things in life, the prayer of faith will stand immovable, knowing that God is faithful. As I was preparing this message, I thought, there are so many short statements that could be tweeted or Facebooked or sent out to the rest of the world to hear. This is another one. When we're faced with impossible, unthinkable, or unattainable things in life, the prayer of faith stands immovable, knowing that God is faithful. God is faithful. But in our praying with faith, we've got to watch out for those hindrances in our life. How easy it is to become offended. There may even be someone here this morning, and you've got offended with me. Please, don't do that to your faith. Don't do that to your prayer life. Because when you allow a hindrance in, it hinders everything. You would have heard me a couple of weeks ago say, Husbands, you need to be walking with your wives in harmony because a, a man's prayer is, won't be answered unless he does so. I can't remember. I think it's in Peter. I'm not sure. But someone can Google it quick and let me know. But your prayers as a man or as a husband will be hindered if you've got an attitude or an issue with your wife. So deal with it. <laughs> Get it right. If it's for no other reason to have your prayers answered or to have a happy home. Depends which one you want to go with first. But actually, that is something that is so important. How about unforgiveness? Oh, that happened to me when I was a child. Oh, I could never forgive that person for what they've done at work. Or, or... Do you know what? You can, we can carry things for years, but it only does you harm. And hinders your prayers from being answered. Now that's not belittling anybody's past experience. I know what it's like to have had something awful happen to me when I was a young man that should never have happened to a young man, but it did. And it took me years to be able to forgive what took place in my life. Years. But when I got to the place that I was able to forgive, I was able to move. You will always be kept in your past and robbed of your future if you don't forgive. Because there is always something in your head that would talk to you and it will affect your heart and it will affect your prayer life. So come on, let's deal with these things. Jesus taught on this in Mark 11. Mark 11, 23, 24. Mark 11 is talking all about Prayer is talking all about faith. And he says this, I assure you, most, uh, verse 23, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Jesus speaking, whoever says to this mountain, what mountain have you got in your life? Is it a sickness? Is it a family issue? Is it a financial one? Right now, cost of living. I can't afford to keep the car on the road or put food on the table. You, you, we know what that feels like. For years, our children, we had six children, I think, by the time we had our first vehicle. We had to walk everywhere because we didn't have the money. We know what it's like to go through a cost of living crisis when there wasn't one. We know what it's like to be losing a house when you've got no way of being able to pay for it. 
and believe God for a miracle to keep that house. So I'm, I, I, your mountain right now may be financial. Your mountain right now, it may be a member of your family. But it says this, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him in accordance to God's will. Again, it comes back to God's will. We've got to be praying according to God's will. For this reason, Jesus is saying, look, come on. If it was me, I'd say, come on, for this reason, I'm telling you this. Jesus is saying the same thing. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask in prayer, in accordance to God's will, believe with confident trust, just like John told us earlier, that you have received them, then they will be given to you. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and drop it. Drop the issue and let it go, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you, your trespasses and wrongdoings against him and others. Come on, if we want prayer, have you, have, has there been moments and you just don't know why, I just don't know why I'm not here. God's not hearing me. God's not answering me. God's not moving for me. Check your heart. Do a heart infantry. What am I carrying that I've not let go? What have I, what have I got bound up in my life? You know, that person should never have done that to one of my kids. I'll never forgive them. Well, I'm sorry, but you're going to struggle to see an answer to prayer. You're going to struggle to see mountains move. This is very real, I know. But if I don't teach real stuff, you're always going to have someone saying nice things to you, tickle your ears, and, and make you feel good about yourself. But no, we've got to address stuff so we see answers to prayer. Another question I guess that's come up in, in over the years is, and, and it's confused some people, when praying in faith, does praying the same prayer again and again mean I didn't really pray in faith the first time? What is the answer to that question? If I've prayed in faith, and I was one of these for a long time, I've prayed, and therefore, because I've prayed, I can just walk away, God's going to do it. But I believe there's also, you need to pray until you know he's heard. Now that, you need to hear very clearly and very carefully. God hears, just as in Daniel, God hears the moment you pray. But do you believe that he's heard? That's when you pray until you know he's heard. Not until he's heard. He hears the first moment you pray. In fact, he knows before you pray what you need. See, the problem isn't God. The problem is our heart. Do we believe that he has heard? If there's an element of doubt or uncertainty, you pray until you know, you know he's heard. And then we carry on praying and praying. What scripture am I going to use for this? It's in Matthew 7, 7. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you've asked for. God's heard, but do I believe he's heard? God knows, but do I know he knows? I've got to be quick now. 
Keep on asking and you will receive what you're asking for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. It is a progressive continuance. It's continually asking and asking and asking. And do you know what? Once you've asked and then you know, then you carry on praying. Thanksgiving. That's what I love about Emma. She is always, let's give thanks to the Lord. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Let's give. Why? Because when we pray in faith and we know that he hears, we can just then pray thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for the answer. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving. Thank you, Lord, that you saw me in that moment praying on my knees for my daughter, for my child, for my grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, that you heard me. And I'm thanking you. Thanking you that you're still moving. Thanking you, you're moving the obstacles. Thanking you that the, 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 the heavens are, are clear for them to hear your voice. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you, Lord. I know that there's something coming my way. I don't know when and I don't know how, but I know that you are a God who provides. Do you know what? When we're in our early days, again, when we had no money, I'm just, you're just going to have to sit there and enjoy the meeting. We, 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 were, we were absolute, we were dirt poor, honestly. We were so struggling. I used to, anyway, no, I'm not going to go there. We, we, and we just wanted to listen to Christian music and, 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 and just, just have our atmosphere in our home filled with Christian music and to watch DVDs that we want to watch, not the garbage that's on TV. And we prayed and we said, Lord, we, don't, we, we haven't got the money to buy a DVD player. We don't have the money to be able to buy a CD player. I think CDs were just out. Or was it a tape deck? It might be showing me age. It might have been a tape deck. Anyway, um, it was something that could play music on. And, and Lord, it would be nice to have uh, a TV, not a TV like everyone else, but a monitor that we could use to watch DVDs. And we, th- we, know, we knew that God heard we absolutely, there was total, we knew. Do you know what we used to do? We used to each day go up to our bay window and look up and down the road in the expectation that it was going to come down the road. Just waiting. One day, there was a guy walking down the road with three boxes. St- stood at our door and delivered those boxes to us with speakers, with a TV, with an amp. It was, it was a beyond what we had asked, the ability to watch and listen. Don't tell me God doesn't care about the little things. Oh, it wasn't a cancer and it wasn't, it wasn't a, it was something that just meant something to us. Do you know what? We were... I think we, we just had a mattress on the floor at that moment. In a, in a, you were pregnant with one of the kids as well, weren't you? Pregnant on the floor. And we, we just were talking to each other before going to sleep. We said, wouldn't it be nice to have a wardrobe to put our clothes in? <sighs> wouldn't it be nice to have a wardrobe to put our clothes in? We didn't ask the Lord. <laughs> we didn't say, God, we need a wardrobe. <laughs> Jane's got so many clothes. No, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. We said, Lord, we, we just said, wouldn't it be nice? We woke up the next morning. I don't even know. We didn't, did we have a phone? 
Did someone come and knock the door and say, I can't remember now. We had a phone at that point. But I didn't have a phone when all the kids were born. I was running around, around, around the streets trying to phone, phone boxes that worked in those days. But we had a phone at that time. And a person phoned us up and said, we're getting rid of a couple of wardrobes today. Would you like them? God hears the secret place. God hears those secret whispers of our heart's desire. Just something so practical that God would honor it. I could, we could, <laughs> we could spend all morning just testifying of the goodness of God. Let me just finish with a couple of things. There's a huge difference between believing you will receive and believing you have received. When you pray and you pray and you pray and pray until you know God hears, you are praying, believing that you will receive. The moment you know God hears, you pray, believing you have received. We knew that we had got those, we were a bit like that this morning. I don't know, don't give me a tissue, it will splatter all over my face. There's nothing worse than having a beard and someone gives you a tissue. And with a prickly beard, you just um, you wear the tissue as well. I'll just have, to, just have to sniff for a minute, sorry. What was I going to say? Say again? You will receive, yes. Yeah, that's a good thought. I can't remember where I was going. Anyway... Colossians 4, Colossians 4 verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. If you want to know the currency of faith, or the currency of heaven is faith, if you want to know what, what fuels faith, it is thanksgiving. I've, I've worded it better than that. Thanksgiving is the voice of faith that God that thanks God for the answer before it comes. Let me reread with that. Thanksgiving is the voice of faith that thanks God for the answer before it comes. We just continue to thank God. And suddenly we had wardrobes. We continue to thank God. Suddenly we, we, had, we had cookers. <laughs> suddenly we thank God. We, we, my van, our van had to go. Some of you have heard this story. Our, our, our minibus, we had a minibus. There was only eight of us, but we had a 14-seater minibus because it was the only vehicle that was cheap enough for us to buy. It was a rust heap, Ford Transit, that was rusting out. And it was our vehicle. It's our vehicle. Our kids loved it. They, all their friends could come in it. And it was like, well, I pick up all the kids for momentum and they'd all pile in the van. It's like, yeah, great. It was a huge thing to drive around. It was ridiculous. I felt so embarrassed going to church meetings. Oh, the, mini, the church minibus has turned out. Oh, no, no, it's Pastor Jeff. <laughs> but one day it was so old and so, so rusted through that it needed to go to, to an MOT and the MOT failed and they said, it's, it's not worth you replacing it. So we scrapped it and we, just, we, knew, we needed another vehicle. You know, we had, there was eight of us at home. We needed 
ideally an eight-seater vehicle to be able to transport our family. Okay, you know, that's your fault. You had such a big family. I know. I, I know that's my fault. But I needed eight seats in the vehicle. And we woke up one morning with an expectation. We had this expectation. God, we can't do it. It has to be you. And one day we walked downstairs and there was an envelope at our front door that had written on it, this is for your new van. And there were £5,000 worth of £50 notes. I've never seen so many £50 notes. I thought someone had gone and robbed the bank and knew our issue and, and wrote on it. I still do, we still don't know who it is to today, for certain. We still don't know. If you're here, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. If you're in heaven, thank you. But God can do it, whatever it is. It starts here, putting it in your heart. Faith building. I'm at the gym, lifting my word before him. What does he say? Put me in remembrance of my word. Just lifting my word. I've got a big Bible at home. That's what I do my exercises with. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Faith, spiritual faith exercises. And do you know what? When you start and someone says at work, oh, would you pray for me? You know my situation. You know my family. Would you get your church to pray for me? Take those moments. That's when you begin to exercise your faith. I pray for you right now. I pray for you in this moment. If we've ever prayed a prayer request out the front, go back and say, my church is praying. My God is listening. He is moving on your behalf. That's a faith in action. You know, just to take a person's prayer request and say, oh, our church will pray. That's nice, but that's only the beginning of the journey. Go through the whole process. My church, oh, yeah, my church will pray. My church did pray, and God heard. Release your faith. Put it together. <laughs> my last line I've written down here. This Friday, 7 p.m., to midnight, we're coming together to pray. <laughs> That's my last thought on here. I didn't want to forget it again. You may think you can't pray. You can. You may not have confidence in prayer. You can have it. I could preach my whole sermon again, but I'm not going to. You may be here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is a very simple prayer that you can pray to accept Jesus in your life and to begin a journey with him. Will he answer that prayer? Absolutely. That's why Jesus died on the cross. To answer that particular prayer. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. It says, if anyone calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. That simple. So I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it along with me. Pray it nice and loud. There may be someone in the room today. Or there may be someone listening online who's going to pray this for the very first time. We want you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let's pray together. Jesus, I come before you today. And I thank you that you died for me. You rose again for me. And today you're my Savior. I give you my life. I give you my all. Be my Lord and Savior this day. I receive you into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So with every eye closed and every head bowed,
Did you pray that prayer today? Sincerely? Wanting to make Jesus your Lord and Savior? If you did, I'm going to ask you for a faith response. Very simply, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand, pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer this morning, thank you, I see that hand. Just pop up your hand. Thank you, I see that hand. There's two people in the room saying, yes, that's me. Is there anybody else? You say, yes, I want Jesus to answer prayers like that. I want to know him like you know him. Is there anybody else? You say, yeah, count me in. Everybody else may be saved, may be walking with God, but I just want to give you a chance. I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three. Thank you, I see that hand. Two. It's a long pause, but I'm just making sure I've not missed anybody. One. Father, right across this room, I thank you, you're touching lives. We reverence your presence here in this room because you're the only one who can save. You're the only one who can answer our prayer. You're the only one that answers that prayer of, of receiving you as Lord and Savior. And for these hands that have gone up in this room and those that have a desire just to go on further and deeper with you, Father God, right now, move in this room. Move in their hearts. And Lord, I pray that the assurance of their salvation will be their portion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ah, oh, God is so good in here.